Hi, I'm Debbie Harbeck, and I'm a certified life coach working with women in midlife and through the menopause transition. So each week, I'll be sharing the latest information, inspiration, and generate some momentum so you can move forward and feel more in control of your changing midlife body and your life. Let's go. Hi, and welcome to the Midlife Momentum Podcast. I'm really glad you're joining me today because today I am finally going to talk about sleep. I know I've mentioned this topic several times in this podcast, but I haven't had an episode yet just about sleep. So today is about that. Did you know that up to 75% of women have issues with sleep and that women are more likely to have issues with sleep than men? And that sleep issues are a lot more likely during and after the menopause transition. So chances are you're in that time of life. And of course, poor sleep is associated with all kinds of health issues. And I think we're learning that now. But we're slow to change because I think we're still looking to diet and exercise to change our health. But sleep is definitely the first place to look. And it's the first thing I look at when I work with clients is, are they getting the sleep that they need or are they having sleep issues? Because that's the first thing to correct in order to have better health, in order to lose the weight you want to lose, in order to just feel better is it's so important to have a good night's sleep. So if sleep is off, chances are everything else is affected. And I've become a bit of a sleep proponent these days because my own sleep quality has changed over, I'd say, the last two or three years. If I'm overly tired, for example, I have trouble falling asleep because I have restless leg syndrome. Maybe you know what that is or you have that yourself. And so when I'm beyond tired, when I'm really just overtired, I can't stop moving my legs. So falling asleep is very challenging. And then most nights now, I wake up at midnight and again at 3 a.m., almost like clockwork, both those times. And luckily, most nights I can fall right back to sleep, but some nights I need to use a sleep app. So in this case, I use Headspace that has these sleep casts, like bedtime stories almost. And usually within five or 10 minutes of listening to it, I'm asleep. And to be honest, I think one of the reasons I wake up at these two times is because I have a 21-year-old who comes home late most nights because of school. I created this habit because when she started doing this, I would set my alarm because I was afraid I wouldn't hear her come in. So I'd set my alarm for like 12.30 a.m. to check and see if she was home. I didn't want to sleep through the night, but now unfortunately it's, it's become an automatic habit. Now, I've also done some things to help me get a better sleep, and some of the things that have worked for me so far are cutting out caffeinated tea, so I'm not a coffee drinker, but I do like my Earl Grey tea, so I cut that out after about noon, and that's definitely helped. And I'm also aware that if I drink any wine or beer in the evening, usually I do that on weekends, my legs are more restless, and I awaken more often. So I'm more careful with alcohol too. And finally, I just swear by fresh air and exercise and lately also swimming because all of these things, if I do them during the day, later in the day, I just feel so relaxed and sleepy. So by the time I go to bed, I am ready to go to sleep. Maybe you see yourself in some of these things that I've said here so far, or maybe you're experiencing other things about sleep that aren't working for you. 
And if you have any health issues, if you have diabetes or problems with your metabolism or heart disease, or maybe you have anxiety or depression or you're gaining weight, uh, then sleep is probably the first thing to look at before even looking at your diet. As I said before, when I have clients who are looking for weight loss, sleep is the first thing I want them to work on if sleep is not working well for them. And ironically, it's probably the last thing they thought they needed when they came to me. And usually that's diet and exercise, right? So whatever you're going through sleep-wise, I hope that this episode can help you get that better night's sleep that you really need at this time of life. Because no matter how old you are, you need a good night's sleep to maintain good health. And as you're getting older, chances are, even though you need the same amount of sleep, you're probably not getting it. And if you're a woman in perimenopause like me or in postmenopause, there are many possible reasons why. So one of them is hot flashes or hormone fluctuations, which happen during this time. And that may disrupt your sleep. And on the flip side, you're likely to have less hot flashes if you do get better sleep. So that's something to keep in mind. Or maybe you have restless leg syndrome like me, and you may have difficulty falling asleep, or maybe that even wakes you up during the night. Or perhaps you're on medication. You have medication for diabetes or something for asthma. Likely, these are medications that can cause sleep issues. And if you snore loudly or somebody beside you snores loudly or even in the room beside you, or you've got sleep apnea, you may not be getting a very good quality sleep. And of course, finally, high stress. So high stress or chronic stress, as I've talked about in this podcast, is probably one of the biggest things that I like to talk about because I know it's such an issue for so many of us. And yes, stress is linked to sleeplessness at any age. So these are just some of the common reasons why your sleep might not be so restful these days. And ironically, if you get better sleep, you'll be able to improve most, if not all of these issues with time. So to start getting better sleep, there are a few simple things you can do starting right now. You can just get a pen and paper, you can write these things down, or you can go to the transcript of this episode and you can already have them there if you want to see them in, in writing after you listen to this. So the first thing I'm going to offer is that you create yourself a sleep-worthy bedtime routine. So having a bedtime routine is something we do with our kids when they're little, but it's for everybody. We all need a bedtime routine. The more routine our sleep is, the better we tend to sleep. So your body takes its cues from the light outside, from even the light in your house, uh, the temperature, and the hormones like cortisol. So when your stress is high, you are less likely to go to sleep. So when your stress goes down, you're more likely to sleep. So to help your body get the message that it's time for sleep, you need this routine. So one of the things you can do is to dim the lights in your house and turn the heat down. So if your heat is up during the day, try to turn it down to about in Fahrenheit 64, 65 or in Celsius 17, 18 degrees about an hour before you go to bed so that the room has a time to cool down and you can even get a cooling mattress. So this is a thing now and these mattresses actually draw heat away from your body and they really actually seem to work for many people. So something to consider. 
You can also get calm by maybe making a cup of chamomile tea or turning off your electronics. And this is a very big one, at least 30 minutes before bedtime. And I know this is really hard for most of us, but this blue light that we keep hearing about, it is very stimulating. So having that around does not help us get sleep. Finally, put on your pajamas, put on something very cozy, comfy, read a book, preferably something that's pretty boring rather than very exciting, or write down any thoughts that are in your head. So a lot of us go to bed with these swirling thoughts, like our brain doesn't shut down, and I hear that all the time. Get those thoughts out of your brain and onto paper. It really does help. And then when you turn the light off, when you finally turn that light off, make sure your room is as dark as possible. And if it's not, if your room is still light or you have, like me, I have a street light right outside my house, make sure you have like blackout curtains or, you know, like the ones that they have in a hotel room, something that really blocks the light. It will help. And finally, if you can, that cell phone that you turned off 30 minutes ago, hopefully, uh, if you could keep it away from your bed uh, or in another room, even better, and just maybe get yourself an old-fashioned alarm clock if that's the reason that it's beside your bed so that you don't get in the habit of grabbing your phone every time you have some sleeplessness during your night. And the final thing that I'll offer here in terms of routine is if you are having trouble falling asleep, try something like a sauna if you have access to one or a hot tub or even just a hot bath before you go to bed. When you get into a relatively cool bed after a hot shower or hot room, your body temperature will drop and that will tell your brain that it's time to sleep. So that really does help. The next thing I would suggest after routine is to just time everything correctly. So your body works on a clock. You can't see this clock, it's inside you, but it's it's a rhythm. It's called the circadian rhythm, and it's a dance between two hormones. It's melatonin and it's cortisol. And it causes you to feel sleepy and alert at regular intervals. So alert comes from the cortisol, that stress hormone, and melatonin is the one that makes you feel sleepy. So your rhythm can be thrown off by an irregular schedule. So if you don't have a consistent routine, it can be thrown off. Or if you're staying up late and waking up late on the weekends, for example, you have a different schedule on the weekends or the weekdays, that can affect it. Or you travel overseas and you have jet lag, that can affect it as well. So not only can this rhythm affect your sleep, but it can also, by extension, affect your health and wellness because irregular sleep has been linked to cardiovascular disease, obesity, and diabetes. So to remedy this, you can get to bed and wake up at the same time every day, even on weekends. And I know this is challenging for a lot of us, although as I've gotten older, it's not so challenging. I'm very happy to get to bed at an early time. And studies are showing that you get much better sleep quality if you're actually asleep by midnight. And I can tell this, I don't know if you have a sleep device, but I do have a watch that tells me how I'm sleeping. And the deepest sleep I do get is before midnight. And I see that consistently over time. And not only that, it's also been shown that the sleep you get before midnight is three times more beneficial for repairing the cells in your brain and in your body. And there is science behind getting eight, seven to eight hours of uninterrupted sleep per night. So 
One study done over 25 years has shown that your life expectancy actually decreases when you get less than six hours a night. And it's even worse, and this is really interesting, it's even worse than that if you get more than nine hours of sleep a night. So getting too little or too much sleep are actually not good for you. That being said, once you've timed it, you want to also put a limit on what you're eating and drinking. So this is the third thing I'm I'm sharing with you. Digesting can interfere with sleep. I'm sure you know that if you've ever eaten a very heavy meal before going to bed, definitely doesn't feel good. It definitely doesn't help you sleep. So eat your last meal of the day about two to three hours before bedtime. Try not to make it a huge meal. Try not to be full in that meal just enough to feel like satisfied. And also avoid liquids at this time. So if getting up to pee often is a reason that you get up during the night, try to avoid liquids during this two to three hours. And of course, alcohol and caffeine can also make sleep a problem. Now, the current guidelines here in Canada, and I don't know where you're listening from, but here in Canada, they say we should now limit ourselves to only two drinks a week. That's not a day anymore. That's two drinks a week because even three to six drinks a week are associated with higher risks of breast and colon cancer. So alcohol is not a good thing. It is toxic to our bodies. We know this. I know we enjoy it and we think it it relaxes us, but it does interrupt our sleep. And then there's coffees and teas and sodas like Coke or Pepsi and anything made with chocolate, of course, should be put to bed after lunchtime. Caffeine is considered a stimulant, but actually it doesn't give you, this is really interesting, actually it doesn't give you energy. It actually blocks the need to sleep. So caffeine prevents you from feeling what is called sleep pressure. You know that feeling where you feel like, oh, I feel so sleepy, I'm ready to go to bed? Well, caffeine blocks that. It doesn't actually give you energy. So we need sleep pressure though in order to fall asleep. So if we're taking that away through caffeine and caffeine has a six hour half-life, so meaning if you had coffee at noon, six hours later at 6 p.m., half of it's still in your system. And if you've had several coffees over the day, you can do the math and figure out how much is in your system by the time you go to bed. We wanna be aware of that so that we're not taking too much caffeine. And of course, it's a diuretic. So if you're having problems because you're peeing frequently during the night, try not to have that uh, so close to bedtime as well. Number four is to get enough exercise and fresh air. So the outdoors and movement can help you get better sleep. And if you can do them at the same time, that is even better. And ideally, when we talk about exercise, we want it to be for 30 minutes or more at moderate intensity. And I know I've explained this before, but it's really important to know that means you can talk a sentence or a few words at a time. If you can't talk at all, you're, you're going too hard, way, way beyond moderate. And if you can talk continuously, then you're not working hard enough. So we want to do 30 minutes where we can feel a little out of breath, but we're still able to talk to somebody a sentence at a time. And we want to do this at least, again, three hours before bedtime. Personally, I have started swimming in the past couple of weeks, and I just feel more sleep pressure, that sleep pressure that I just mentioned before. Maybe it's the water or the water temperature. I'm really not sure what it is, but it just totally relaxes me and makes me feel sleepy. And right before bed, if you're having any, like me, I have 
hip pain sometimes during the night. So doing some gentle yoga before bed or some heat maybe on that spot before bed or some gentle rolling on that spot might help in terms of keeping the pain away while you're sleeping. Finally, okay, so the very last thing I wanna say is just to give you a few extra pointers. If you've tried all these things and everything seems to be failing, here are a few things you can do. So if you just, if you're continuing to wake up during the night, don't stay in bed more than about 10 minutes. Get up, make a cup of herbal tea, like a chamomile tea, and read a boring book until you feel sleepy. Your bed in your brain, it shouldn't be associated with sleeplessness. It's there for sleep and is there for sex. And those are the only two things that should happen in your bed. So we want the brain to associate it with that so that when you're in bed you're not awake and if you feel very awake at bedtime you can try taking some magnesium magnesium about an hour before bed like let's say 300 to 500 milligrams can help relax you and it can help you fall asleep but try to avoid sleep medications like Ambien or Xanax because they don't give you a good quality sleep and they're also associated with cognitive decline. So as we get older, our cognition will be affected if we're taking these kinds of medications. So we want to be aware of that as well. Another great way to get relaxed or feel sleepy, maybe instead of those medications, is to have an orgasm. So this is a really interesting thing. Of course, my partner has been telling me this for years, but there's actually science to back it up that for women, orgasms do help make you sleepy. So there's something there. You do not have to have a partner to have an orgasm. You can do it on your own, and hopefully that does help you get to sleep. And of course, if you're not sleeping and you're feeling anxious about it or you're beating yourself up, as we do, a lot of us do this, we beat ourselves up for not sleeping enough. We have to stop doing that. We have to stop and we have to relax. As you know, when you feel bad about it, it probably leads to sleeping less than sleeping more. So tell yourself it's okay. And just start doing things to help yourself. Start doing any of the things I've mentioned here. They can all help you. Just take one thing and start doing it. And then another thing, anything to help yourself and just be kind to yourself. Have a little self-compassion as you go through this. You will sleep. And if all else fails and anxiousness becomes a problem and you've, you've tried everything I've talked about, but you still have insomnia, meaning insomnia means that you have trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, or you're waking up early before seven hours is up, then it might be time to check out a CBTI therapist. That's a cognitive behavioral therapy that specializes in insomnia. So a sleep therapist, they can help you let go of this anxiety that you've built up around sleep and they can help you improve that belief that you do have it within you to sleep. There's nothing wrong with you. You can sleep. And this could be enormously helpful if you're really stuck. So I hope you got something valuable from this episode. And if you do have sleep issues and you've got weight to lose or you're exhausted or you're having a lot of perimenopausal symptoms, I am definitely here to help. Through coaching, we can create your ideal sleep routine. We can help you adopt the healthy habits you need for a good night's sleep so that you can shed the weight, so that you can release stress and gain energy and just 
feel a whole lot better in your body and in your mind, of course, because all of this affects your brain as well. So if you're ready to talk about it, you can always book a time with me. The link is in the show notes. So with that, I want to thank you for listening to this episode today. And as always, I'm so grateful you chose to join me. And if you enjoyed this episode, or if you learned something valuable, I'd love you to rate it on Apple or Spotify or leave a comment about it. Use whatever platform you're using to listen. I just really appreciate it. And I'll be back next week with a fresh new episode. So keep moving forward and bye for now. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Midlife Momentum Podcast. If you want to learn more about working with me, come visit me at debbieharbeckcoaching.com. That's Debbie, I-E, Harbeck with a C, coaching.com. See you next week.